Welcome to the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Katie. And this is... One Kiss Means Forever! This is the podcast where forever might be, might mean you go into a cave and get transported through time to find your true love somehow because of science and literature. We're talking about your favorite made-for-TV romances, the kinds that you find on uh, Netflix and Lifetime, and Hallmark per usual. Today, it's like Hallmark 2, Murders and Mysteries. Yes. So today we are talking about uh, a movie that premiered on May 22nd, 2022, um, which sounds like it makes it a spring movie, but I don't think it is, which is why we're doing it now, because they they do talk about cider and things at various points. Um, And it premiered on Hallmark, Troops and Ghosts, uh, and the movie is called Rip in Time. And this is the little synopsis. When organic farmer Sarah meets a man who claims to be from 1787, he doesn't. He says 1789. <laughs> Just FYI. Semantics. Uh, <laughs> named Rip Van Winkle Jr., she soon discovers old-fashioned romantic feelings that might be just as crazy as his story. And it stars Tori DeVito and Niall Mader. <laughs> Woohoo! Let's let's uh, <laughs> dive right into this rip in time. Mm-hmm. I just love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> the title is everything. It was Rip Van Winkle, and then it's like a space time continuum sort of rip in the fabric of the universe. Guys, so many. Levels. There is no possible way this movie existed pre title and rip in Van Winkle. Like, yeah. I don't think there's any, like, like that's what they had. And then yeah. they made the movie around it. There's like, probably some drunken, like, fooling around. Like, guys, 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 <laughs> what if there was, like, a story like this? And they're like, dude. <laughs> what if Rip Van Winkle had a kid? It's the pandemic. We'll just write this shit and see what happens. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get into this beautiful classic literature story um, mm-hmm. <laughs> right away. So single mom Sarah, played by Tori DeVito, lives with her son Henry and her father Calvin on their farm in rural Connecticut. One day, while doing his chores in the barn, Henry stumbles upon a man hungrily eating raw turnips. This man is heavily bearded, dirty, and dressed in strange old-timey clothes. Assuming there's a homeless man in the barn, Henry go gets his mom Sarah. Sarah confronts a very confused man, played by Niall Mater. He seems confused about who and where he is, but he does remember that his name is Richard and that he goes by Rip, which, honestly, better than Dick, so whatever. Uh, Cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> and modern things seem to frighten him. But when Ted, the sheriff, sweet on Sarah, shows up to help deal with the situation, Rip goes willingly with him to the police station and then the hospital to try and get things, you know, figured out. Yeah. So after a night at the hospital and no luck figuring out his identity, Rip heads back to the farm to thank Sarah for her kindness. With nowhere else to go, Sarah and Calvin offer Rip a job of working around the farm. He seems to kind of have a affinity for these things. Whatever. Um, and the police is going the police is gonna try to figure out who he is in the meantime. 
And Sarah is also going to do her own sleuthing into who he is as well. Initially thinking that he might be the son of some old neighbors, she takes him to get a haircut so we can finally see the real Niall Mater face. Yeah, you got to get that that face wig off. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty bad. As part of his employment on the farm, Rip is allowed to live in the farmhand cottage thing that's on the property. When Sarah, Calvin, and Henry go to show it to Rip, he knows it as his own house. He even proves it by showing them the carving he made of his initials with his birth date underneath. Problem is, the birth date says 1758. Upon learning that it is actually 2022, Rip faints. (laughs) Full-on (laughs) cross-eyed. You know what? That's not a terrible reaction. I agree. Completely agree. I probably would have the same if I woke up and it was like 3583. It'd be like, what? (laughs) Right. Just lose your goddamn mind. Yeah. Uh, Rip's full name, as he remembers, is Rip Van Winkle Jr., the second, as is carved into the post. Um, Calvin gives Rip a copy of Washington Irving's story. Uh, After reading it, Rip explains that he knew Washington Irving, and he was like a young chap around the town, and that the story that he's telling is one that his father told when he randomly disappeared for 20 years. Rip never believed it, but now a time traveler himself, maybe his father wasn't as big of an asshole as he has believed his entire life. Sarah, on the other hand, thinks Rip's belief of being from 1789 is some like grand PTSD-induced illusion that he's going through. So she contacts a doctor in New York City and convinces Rip to take a trip with her to see this expert. The doctor is unable to break the illusion because it it is not an illusion. He's really from 1789. Um, and the reason, by the way, the reason I remember it's 1789 is because my brain just kept going. 17, 17, 17, 17, 1789. <laughs> I love it. Like theater people. Uh, and the doctor decides to run more tests. They find a musket ball, I think it is, in Rip's leg from where he was shot. And once it is removed... They have somebody date it back to no later than the mid-1800s. So finally, because they can come up with no other option, everyone concludes that Rip is, in fact, telling the truth. It's my f- <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the whole movie where, like, medical doctors are like, we'll have to start going to the illogical conclusions now. Why don't we just accept these things as fact? <laughs> Let's go to a scientist. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, well, here we are, friends. Yeah, we got nothing. (laughs) Love it. Um, Rip and Sarah spend some time walking around New York discussing their lives and the changes in the city and the world uh, throughout the last, you know, couple centuries. Rip starts to wonder about figuring out a way to get back to his own time. And though she says nothing, this saddens Sarah because she's starting to like Rip. Back in Connecticut, Ted comes sniffing around Sarah some more. 
He has picked up that there is an attraction between Sarah and Rip, which he is trying to stamp out by trying to convince Sarah that Rip is actually a con artist out to take Sarah for all she's worth. And she's been trying to let Ted down easy, but basically after hearing him describe her as an easy mark, she's just like, fuck you, get leave. Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> Your intentions are pure, sir, but you're not going about it in a gentlemanly no. manner. <laughs> wow. So there's a town festival that night. Festival. And everybody is there. Henry and Calvin go off to get some candied apples, and Sarah takes Rip to the dance tent. He tries to dance to rock music, but he's having a hard time because dancing is different in 1789 um so he asks the dj to switch to a ballad and he dances old school style with sarah until ted butts in which rip is gracious enough to let him do but only for a short while meanwhile henry's school bully has found him but since rip has been showing henry how to defend himself he is able to fight back and defeat the bully surprised that henry fights back at all the bully runs off Calvin's nemesis, Waylon, has a booth at the festival selling late 1800s antiques or, or junk, depending on <laughs> how you look at it. Uh, he's uh, making fun of Calvin. I'm not really sure what their beef is, but doesn't matter. Uh, but Rip shows up and basically tells this crowd around that everything Waylon has been um, uh trying to sell he's marketing incorrectly which is terribly embarrassing for Waylon. so it's it's the defeat the bully festival yeah rip does good <laughs> after getting home and putting henry and a drunk calvin to bed uh, rip says good night and heads out into the rain to go back to his cottage but Sarah runs out behind him, calling his name, and plants a big fat one on him. And they kiss in the rain, and they make out. But then you see a very wet and very heartbroken, very mad Ted watching them in the darkness. <laughs> it's not creepy at all. <laughs> Back at the cottage, Ted confronts Rip and tells him that he has nothing to offer Sarah. Rip recognizes the truth of some of what Ted is saying and decides that he should leave for Sarah's sake. Since a huge storm is coming, and that's how he assumes he got there, he thinks it is a good time to, you know, go back to his little cave. Test the scientist time travel theory. <laughs> yeah, which we are going to talk about. Um, <laughs> oh, no. He writes a note for Sarah, Henry, and Calvin and heads out into the woods to find the cave he came in. Yeah, his little travel, <laughs> his travel cave. <laughs> his way station. If you... <laughs> so upon finding the note that he left them, Sarah, Henry, and Calvin go after Rip. They don't want him to leave, obviously. Henry and Calvin have some trouble in the rain, so Sarah is left to go at it alone. She finds Rip in his cave with all of his things packed, about to drink some brandy, because that's kind of part of this time travel ritual, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Um, and she mm-hmm. tells him he does that she doesn't want him to leave, and he admits he doesn't really want to either. So he proposes marriage, but Sarah, being the modern lady that she is, counters with a date or two. So they leave the cave with the rain having magically stopped to head back to the farm. Rip's belongings have also magically disappeared, having been sent back in time to be found by his own father, Rip Van Winkle Sr., reading his diary, knowing that his son actually loves him now. But more importantly, as we've known since the kiss in the rain, one kiss means forever! And these two will eventually get married, but on a more 2022 timeline. The end. (laughs) <laughs> I love um, that you included the very drunk Calvin going to bed into into the synopsis because the next scene, he's like, how are you this morning? He goes, my tongue feels like it's wearing a sweater. I'm like, I think this is the first time I've ever heard of a hangover in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> There's a couple first times in this yeah. movie. I suppose so. that was a new and noteworthy, but I didn't think to put it there. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. How? Where would you like to start? Well, um, not to like start out with the science, but you you seemed very excited about this wormhole theory. Okay, so. I you know I'm not I am not gonna poo poo the the math part of this because they do go to like a mathematician science person. I, that is way beyond my comprehension. Yeah. Not touching it. This is what I have issues with. According to the Rip Van Winkle story, granted I didn't go back and read it, but even what's posited in this film, is Rip Van Winkle a time traveler? I had the same question. So in the Rip Van Winkle story, it's he just fought. I didn't also didn't read it, but you know, Wikipedia is great. Um, but so he falls asleep for 20 years. Right. But he, and, he does age the 20 years, right? Right. Well, he and, – and so, like, the thing is, like, did did Rip Van Winkle actually, like, stay asleep? Okay. What, did I, what I, my note said was – what I find curious is that Rip Van Winkle Jr. time traveled, not just slept for 250 years. So yeah. did yeah. did he actually, like, move or was he asleep for that long and then wake up having not aged? Same thing with Rip Van Winkle. Who knows? But – so do we think that his dad just slept through his time in the before times or the other times and then just well uh, you know to go to piggyback on that cuz yeah. that is part of it I was not given any indication by the movie or any of the anything in this movie that the cave goes backwards in time yeah other than the fact that Rip slept in it and, like, the only reason we would know that the cave goes back in time is because Rip Van Winkle came back. But we don't know if he just slept for 20 years or time traveled right. or something. Not well, sure. I mean, because the only version of the Rip Van Winkle Sr. story that we get is Washington Irving, which means he did not go back in time. And and he didn't even time travel. <laughs> right. So I, I just... That really threw me as like, no, you can't go back to your own time. That's not an option. And we're pretending like it is. And then his bag does. I think that this movie, you just kind of got to take it for what 
what it is. I agree with you. I also am curious that like maybe if his if his son, Rip and Winkle the third, goes back into the cave, will he be then transported like two thousand years? Is it seems to like go up it, in like <laughs> <laughs> what is it when you move the decimal point over? <laughs> Exponentially. Thank you. Words. <laughs> yeah. That also, I mean, now now you're positing in my brain, is Sarah going to allow her next son to be named Rip Van Winkle? <laughs> oh, my. That is a good. I'm not sure she is. Um... <laughs> I hope they have a daughter. <laughs> and I hope he takes her last name. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about the time travel? I mean, I just, I just like. There's a lot of assumptions that are made in this uh, about how the time travel works. Like the there was lightning, so that must have been the energy source. You know, there's a, and like so you might be able to go back during another storm. Yeah, like and- I, I just was like, there's no. You have decided this. How this is how this works. There's no proof on this. I mean, kudos, though, to the writers who tried to make something logical for this crazy idea that they had, (laughs) you know? Well, and and, but here was my other question. Is cave brandy, because that's the only thing I've called it throughout my notes. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of like, stop drinking the cave brandy. Where has this been? (laughs) It seems like such a bad idea. It's like an Um, Alice in Wonderland drink me is, is that part of the time travel if you didn't drink the cave brandy are you not going anywhere i don't know maybe who knows <laughs> we don't know maybe rip didn't drink the cave brandy which is why he only fell asleep maybe rip and Ringle jr drank drink the cave brandy and it's almost like a where in time do you want to go but um one of the things that uh this scientist guy said it that it's he he compares it to this like uranium kind of whatever and he names yeah. a whole bunch of minerals that would be like possibly in this cave to make this wormhole situation happen but uh-huh. he's saying things like you know like zinc and like like radium i don't know i don't know how abundant these things are actually in the soil just kind of around but i think that they probably would be abundant enough that we might have wormholes everywhere <laughs> so Hannah, i think we should go on a wormhole hunt during a storm <laughs> Let's go find some caves. Wee! Hey, Brandy. <laughs> uh, be- because the entire premise of this movie is what the fuck? You almost kind of have to put on a different what the fuck hat in order to watch this movie. True. It's a completely true. different frame of mind. And so, like, the things that the things that tickled me the most about this movie was the very real, very authentic reactions that Rip Van Winkle Jr. had to certain things. Can I tell you my absolute favorite one? Yes, please. I like literally like backed it up and rewatched it. <laughs> He's getting into the cop car and Ted says, watch your fingers. <laughs> and he literally puts his hands up to his face and looks at his fingers. <laughs> I have that as well. <laughs> um, I my one of my favorites was um well I have three things. 
that okay. word that I that I wrote down. When he's in the hospital, uh, he says, it was the weirdest thing. A nurse kept coming in every couple hours saying, are you sleeping? And I was like, no, of course not, because you just wake me, woke me up. <laughs> Why do they do that? And Torito's like, yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. And then later on, she's like, it's meat bacon. And he's like, what else would it be? And she's like, vegetarian or turkey bacon? He's like, that's not bacon. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but just in like a very like yeah. earnest way. But my favorite one is um, she asks him if he's married and he said he didn't have mm. time for courtship. And she says, well, you're still young. And he goes, we are. Because <laughs> <laughs> he says he's 31 years old. And I guess in 1789, 31 would be pretty high up there. And so <laughs> as, a, as a 36 year old woman, I feel like sometimes I go between I'm still young and Holy fuck, I'm so old. <laughs> As I really felt that line so hard. <laughs> uh, my other favorite one was his, he does a lot of really great physical comedy in this. Sure does, yeah. His like full on leap out of the chair when the barber brings out the clippers was <laughs> really beautiful. Like it was, it was perfect acting. Yes, yes. <laughs> So I think we're just we're we're easing into the fact this that this is my other thing about this movie. Niall Mater is beyond in this movie. Like he okay. So first time I ever saw Niall Mater was for that awful movie that we did a podcast on with my friend from college. The uh -huh. whatever Save the Last Dance for whatever it wasn't Save the Last Dance, but I can't remember what it was called. Um, it'll yeah. come to us. Yeah, we, we, it was it was early on. We didn't like the movie. That was the end. That's, the end. that's what's important. And Niall Mater didn't do it for me. This movie, his okay. So I find you know a good performance to be beyond sexy. Niall Mater is physically perfect in in, in his comedy. His delivery is amazing. He just embodies this character. He's fucking sexy as shit in this movie. Oh yeah, and I can't get over it. I'm like. What about he's wonderful? He's just having the best time, but in a really grounded way. And he's not like making fun of it at all, but he seems to be like having the best time. And it's brilliant to watch. And I am a Niall Mater fan for life now. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I think that's very true. It was grounded enough that I had questions about there were assumptions made about him that I didn't think could be made. Such as? Such as? They give him a book and expect him to read it. And I was not sure he could read. Oh, that's a good point. And I looked it up because, you know, this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, literacy seems to have been potentially between 30 and 60% of men. Oh. So it's possible he can read. But I would not call that a like slam dunk, like, here's a book, you should read it. Especially a little boy growing up on the farm. Why would he need to? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't know that he can read. That's a good and point. The other thing that really struck me is the dancing scene. Does he partner dance like that? I suppose. I mean, a waltz probably would have been in the 1780s, but you're right. It would have been more of a quadrille real situation. And wouldn't then. a waltz be somewhat scandalous? I don't know. It depends on – well, it depends on your society. I think a waltz so. would be 
again, country bumpkin boy, that's like, yeah, that's probably less. not as, but I hear you with that. I also, yeah. I, I also think about this a lot with time travel movies in terms of the level of racism and misogyny that would be present just in their, their mm-hmm. mind makeup mm-hmm. because someone who just gets transplanted from 250 years ago would be harder to convince than, I don't know, some people who are heads of state <laughs> or or making laws in this country, which hmm. exist right now and have grown up within these times. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, I actually I have a note that I was shocked that he uh, didn't really seem to bat an eye at a female doctor. Yeah, I, like he does. There was a few like lines where they tried to address some of it where yeah. he was like, oh, women vote like. Yeah, no, that actually does. You know, like he 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 was clearly very progressive. <laughs> Quite progressive. I think he was just really good at taking a lot of things in stride. And but at no point in this movie does he encounter anyone who is not white. Yes, yes this is very true. <laughs> Granted, um, it does take place in Connecticut, but <laughs> but partly New York. I I think I think the, I can't remember. I didn't clock it this time, but I do think I remember seeing some people of color when they're wandering around New York, when they go up to the edge. Mm-hmm. And, and I had wondered what his reaction would be to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he was a northerner and some northerners in America, even at that point, like didn't believe yeah. in slavery. So who knows? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. But um, it leads me into my sort of next point of, that I thought was so beautiful about this movie is – we, we have this absolutely ridiculous package of Rip Van Winkle Jr., but the points that they that are made about equality and feminism and the American experiment are mm-hmm. lovely. Like there's a moment where he says, and I thought was really cool, where he, you know, having just fought in the American Revolution is reflecting back on it's I'm glad that we got it right. And Tori DeVito says, I'm not saying we got it right, but we're still trying. And I thought like that is probably the most American and patriotic sentence I have ever heard. And I think that that's where we live and that's where we should live forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a few other little what the fucks. Let's go into it. Okay. So when they're going to go to New York City, she tries to like warn him. That New York City is not what he expects. <laughs> yes. And then she does this really crazy bonkers thing of taking him to Times Square. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, maybe you should just stay in the financial district because some things still look familiar. <laughs> but at the same time, I did think about this. I'm like, how can you go to New York and not take him to Times Square? Just in terms of time travel interest, right? <laughs> well, then start downtown and like yeah. slowly make your way up. You know, like it's like, okay, we're going to go to New York City. And the next thing you see is him be- him standing on the top of the TKTS stairs. Yeah. Like, don't do that. That's so many people. That's so many. Like, that every, like we, we've already seen him be a little bit scared of electricity. <laughs> <laughs> but it made for some good comedy. I mean, like, that beat was set up to be pretty perfect. Like, it ha- if it hadn't been Times Square, then it would have been disappointing. I agree. But still. Agree. <laughs> I, I had, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why? You're going to blow his little mind. Um, My second thing was uh 
after their kiss in the rain, he says that their night kissing her was the most wonderful moment of his life. So, is Rip a virgin? (laughs) That's a good question. I'm going to go ahead and say probably not because I'm sure there was some kind of prostitute situation in the American Revolution War. But it might sure there was. But, you know, maybe for him that the feelings of sex without love are just empty. I'm just going to say that because this is a fucking romance movie. And in romance movies, that sentiment exists. Okay. Um, also, I mean, he does say he's 31. Niall Mater was 42 when he made this movie. And I had hoped so. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He, and like, again, we've talked about it. Sexy. He doesn't look 31. He looks a 1789-31 because sometimes when you look back. Uh, I guess that's true. Because so f- funny, weird tangent. Um, I was I recently listened to Devil in the White City, which talks about H. H. Holmes, um, and Billy was like, "Oh yeah, this person." Um, like Leonardo DiCaprio has talked about doing H. H. Holmes for years, and I said, "At this point, Leo's too old." And Billy's like, "What do you mean? Wasn't he like an older guy?" I was like, "No, he died when he was thirty five. He was executed when he was thirty five years old." You look back at a picture of H. H. Holmes; he looks like a fifty in today's day and age, but in eighteen ninety. So, so you're saying that Leo could do it. I'm well. Leo will always look baby, so he uh, could yes. absolutely, absolutely do it. But I am saying that people seemed to have aged. Even when you like look back at yearbook pictures of people who were like in the fifties, they look like they're forty five. Yeah, um, that's true. Which is why I will always look twenty six because <laughs> I am youthful <laughs> and immature. I've been, I've been told I look like thirty one recently, and I was like, really? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I, didn't, I mean shocked but thanks <laughs> you have very lovely skin hannah that's what people keep saying and Me i too. feel like i don't but uh, you know what i'm just gonna take it you glow hallmark hallmarks um she's a single mom we see that sometimes uh, i actually went even deeper i said a single mom who lives with her father ah very nice yeah mom's dead so life is hard <laughs> <laughs> didn't have that as a note but out of yeah, my face. You know. um, she's a strange obligation to help a weird stranger. We have a precocious child. And we do. Um, he happens to have the skills that are relevant to their needs. The child bonds with only one of the two men vying for mom's attention as indication of who is Mr. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was also my next one. The way I said it, though, was new dude has great bonding skills with the youngin. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you said it much better. <laughs> um, we have a working on the farm montage. Woo-hoo. Uh, we have a festival. Festival. I have um, important math is written on clear boards. <laughs> <laughs> It is not necessarily a Hallmark Hallmark, but it it's a movie. It's, yeah, a movie. it's a movie. It's a movie trope. Um, bullying can only be out bullied, and that is a skill that only a father figure can teach. I love that, and it wasn't like learning how to fight; it's learning their weaknesses and using them yeah. against them. The power mm-hmm. of good. Yeah. Um, the only one that I wrote down 
for the rest of it was um, tension between the two love interests. And I want to call attention to a very specific moment when um, Ted sort of asks Niall Mater to um, Casey Manderson, by the way, who yes. is awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Casey Manderson asks uh, T- Niall Mater to skedaddle, but then he comes back in and like their postures just shift in this like beautifully comic way where it's just like they're like poles of magnets like going against each other oh my god it was amazing (laughs) well mine is related to that because i said basically run off by the other man by listening to him rather than the love interest ah yeah 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 very good a pretty parade i have a few awesome let's do it uh I need to start by shouting out, and I did this when we tweeted this movie, too. Uh, Her salmon pink overalls are (laughs) freaking adorable. She looks great. Love them. Yeah. Tori DeVito looked good pretty much in this entire movie. Oh, yeah. But, like, the salmon pink overalls, like, there's a part of me that was like, they should be made by Oshkosh. Um, (laughs) But... These are clearly also for adults, and I was just like, I'm just like into it. I love I'm it. I'm into it. Um, <clears throat> the next one is, I don't know if you noticed this, their farm gate is like ironworked, and it's really Ooh. like, it's interesting. It's not like filigrees or anything like that. It almost looks like it's like a overly designed like eye, like Ooh. what's up? lashes and like it, it was just really cool design I on the I really liked it um and the last thing I wanted to point out for Pretty Parade is uh, kudos to the cinematographer on these um there are quite a few silhouette yes moments yes a la Princess Bride yes in, <laughs> in the sunset Specifically, the silhouette of Rip and Sarah when they're standing in the mouth of the cave and you're looking out into the world from the inside. Like, it was just, like, very well, like, artistically done. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. Actually, the the final silhouette with the sunset and the family getting together was very Princess Bride. Uh, I have a, just a couple pretty parades. One one is less a pretty parade, um, but did you notice that there is a Henry sized chair on the porch? Oh, <laughs> they, I didn't. They had little so porch. Cute. It was so cute. Like they had their porch chairs, but then there's like a tiny little chair right in the middle of it, and it's like that's so, the sweetest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it was just right. Just right. <laughs> um, and then my next two um, we are Nile Mater based. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, in no particular order, but I'll save the best for last. Um, Niall Mater in that gray Henley when they're doing the slow dancing. Boy, mm-hmm. howdy, does his his shoulders look good in that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man. But lest we forget, Niall Mater in regimentals. Whoo! I felt like Lydia Bennett, like <laughs> loving a man in regimentals. He looks really good because he's got this scruff. And his like yeah, hair and the hat. Mm, I'm ha- I was I having a good time. Honestly, thought you were going to go in a different direction there. I thought I you were going to say Niall Mater when he takes his shirt off because uh, he changes outside into true. Clothes and um, it it flusters Tori Devito so much. She, she uh, Freudian slips. She does. <laughs> 
I I think I was looking down into my notes when most of the nudity was happening. Um, <laughs> um, it's not so nudity. He just takes his shirt off. Well, so I only saw a little bit, and I didn't feel like rewinding. Um, mm. So, uh, but maybe I'll have to go back and just rewatch it that moment <laughs> across the universe. Did you have any? I had one. Okay. And I think you'll appreciate this because you referred to something early. All right. I'm excited. Rip also realizes that Thomas Jefferson should include women in the sequel. Work. <laughs> Love it. So that was my across the universe. Great. Um, we have a quick little Law & Order OTH. Yay. Because uh, Tori DeVito was a villain for like season, I don't know, five of nice. One Tree Hill. So it's been a while since we've had one of those. But man, One Tree Hill, just keeping it coming. Yeah. New and noteworthy. There were like we said at the top, there are quite a few kind of like newish things in this. Mm-hmm. Um so I have quite a few if we want to ping pong it back and forth. Sure. I, I have I have a couple. First of all, new and noteworthy because this doesn't often happen. I love that they actually filmed in New York. Um they they, they definitely filmed there. There's things that they couldn't fake and i thought that that well, elevated that's what it. i was i was actually wondering because i looked it up and it says i only looked on imdb i'm not doing like deep research where it said that they filmed in canada and i was like there's no way that's not trinity right like it was i feel like maybe the rest of the farm and stuff must have been in canada but they right. absolutely filmed in new york like you don't get that trinity shot any other no. way i mean like considering it, it like that Trinity shot is literally I walk that particular block yeah to get to work. I like looked up the other day after I had rewatched this movie and I was like, no, it's like right here. Yeah. Like like this angle. <laughs> and I loved and I love that they included that too because like we talked about when we were tweeting this movie, like he would have known that area because yeah. it was fully functioning and existed and famous people are buried there and like right. you know, they would have been alive when he was alive, basically. Right. Right. Well, the Trinity building, like the, that yeah. graveyard. Is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it was all there. For yeah. sure. Um, so my f- first real Im- and most important in my notes, new and noteworthy, is Henry's dad is a baby daddy. Love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she calls him a baby daddy. They were never married. Just the fact that, like, this is, like – a full-on modern woman and I was into it me too I love I didn't write this down but I do love that she like had lived in New York before and Mm -hmm. she had like this whole other life but is choosing and it's not in some like weird way it was she seems like a woman who's been around the block and I like Mm -hmm. loved that yeah um I also love that they are very open about being affectionate with each other, especially at the fair. Like she takes his arm. He says he likes it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're and we don't always see that in a Hallmark movie. Um, so I love it when we see people get giddy with each other and it mm-hmm. makes me happy. Yeah. Um, we also have a marriage proposal that gets turned down where the but they're staying together. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen really ever in these movies where it's like, no, he proposed marriage and she was like, nah, yes, sweetie. <laughs> right. And again, it's that grounding in like modern sensibilities yeah. of, of like, 
of course they're not getting married, but of course he's could should needs to stay because they're probably gonna get married. But no modern woman would be like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, because because it would be creepy if she was like, yeah, I'm gonna marry you. But also, it did strike me as true that someone of his, I guess, historical mentality would probably have proposed. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. It makes sense for Rip Van Winkle Jr. It doesn't make sense. For people in modern Hallmark movies, so yeah. let's just stop with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I have one last thing because uh-huh. we don't often get this. I think it, I think I said this recently, so it's not necessarily new, but I always think it's noteworthy that we have a rather good scene between the two men. Uh-huh. Um, it was a very interesting and honest conversation, and Casey Manderson had very good reasons for being skeptical and protective of Sarah of Tori DeVito, um, even though we know he's not the one. Right. I mean, he was problematic in a he had he felt ownership over her that was undeserved. Right. But he was not incorrect in his suspicion. Granted, he when they're like discussing like who this stranger could possibly be, he immediately goes for a Norman Bates uh true comparison which i was like wow benefit of the doubt (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little bit concerned that you're the police officer but okay (laughs) i mean he's definitely gaston but like a little bit nicer (laughs) like how could you love this weirdo (laughs) that's a great comparison great comparison love it thank you uh, did you have anybody for supporting shout out? I mean, like, there's a part of me that really wants to give it to Casey Master. So yeah. I didn't say yeah. that, but I'm I'm on that road with you. Yeah. Okay. Because I cool. feel like any time we have Casey Manderson in a movie, he's just going to be the supporting shout out until yeah. he's the lead. He's the fucking lead. We're just going to like beat this drum until somebody's got to do it. Come on. I just I wonder if we'll be disappointed though. Maybe he only has enough charisma to be supporting. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to be supporting and he that's like I don't know. Yeah. I don't believe that. I believe that he would like to be a lead. Anyway, we we're we're at it. Yeah. Kiss meter. Kiss meter. This was a pretty good kiss. Yes, it was. Go for it, Hannah. Okay. I gave this a nine. Okay. I, I think there's something incredibly sexy about a clearly passionate kiss being basically a silhouette mm. and it being in the rain. There's something very sexy about the fact that love watching that. I don't I don't think I really like like participating, but uh, <laughs> like I, I'm not I'm not into like <laughs> discomfort <laughs> on parts of my body. I, I don't need that. But it it's. It's sexy to watch. Um, The only reason I'm not getting a little bit higher, there are two reasons. First, they end the kiss and he kisses her on the hand and that took me out of it a little bit. Second, with Ted being in the shadows watching, it's a little (laughs) creepy. (laughs) Uh, well, I feel like we're kind of on the same page. But I went ahead and I didn't care about Ted. Um, okay. And I, I gave this a 10 because, okay. 
again, if I have that like feeling in my belly when I see a mm-hmm. kiss like this, which happened both times I've seen this movie, I was like, I got to give it the 10. I love it. She's the one that goes in for the kill. Mm-hmm. I love that he stops, says, I can't. But then he goes back in because obviously he can. And I actually really liked him kissing her hand because it gave okay. it, it – uh, for me, it gave it that sort of extra, we have some place to go from here. Okay. Like that was what I felt from it. I didn't – like mm-hmm. I can see how it might have been like a little bit like silly. It's not a kiss on the head. Thank God. It is. Thank God it's not a kiss on the head. Um, well, I, I think that could have dropped this down significantly for me if it had been a kiss on the forehead because i because i i felt like he sort of he went in and he did this thing what was that was his gut gut impulse but then he had to be like but i'm still kind of an old-fashioned man i would really like to see you again this is our courtship good night my lady i'll see you tomorrow and i was like okay (laughs) that's a good argument the other thing that i have to say this is not quite about the kiss but the fact that this is the only kiss in the movie, there is no final kiss, hurts. The kiss in the cave. I don't think they do. I went back to rewatch it. Yeah. Oh, I missed that completely. It's it's completely in silhouette. So it might it's definitely a kiss, but it, if you're if it could be misconstrued as a hug because you you can't see anything, but it's they're they're des- definitely kissing after he proposes oh, think, and she said, "I'll go on a date with you." I think I took it as a hug because her foot pops. Oh, and does it? So I gave it an eight okay. only okay. because there's like a little bit of a foot pop. A little foot pop. She has to, okay. or it's it's like a foot pop, but it's kind of almost like a a foot pop that goes into I need to support myself because this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I agree, it's weird not having a the last. Case. Yeah, like I I wanted that, and like because clearly they know how to do it. Just give me more. <laughs> anyway. Katie, would you suggest other people watch this movie? I love this movie. I absolutely. And okay, and this is besides everything we talked about today, this is why you should watch this movie. This is a premise on paper that is so bonkers and so stupid. <laughs> but then when you watch it, you're like the dialogue is snappy, the acting is wonderful. It's pretty well shot for a movie of this sort. It is the epitome of what Hannah and I do. It's bonkers <laughs> banana, and we love it. Like it, yeah. it's beautiful. It's holding those two things in your mind, going, "How can something so weird be so good?" <laughs> I think you should. I think everyone should watch it. Give it a chance. It's it's like that dress that you think looks terrible on the hanger, and you put it on. You're like, "This is the best thing I've ever worn." Yeah. Um, how I, about you, uh, Hannah? Uh, I said completely. Uh, this is. I, I'm a sucker for a Hallmark time travel story. Clearly, we've talked <laughs> about this. And it's legit funny. Like, I, I laughed out loud. It's It was completely enjoyable. I do not regret my time watching this movie at no, all. <laughs> and I'll probably, I, I feel like this is my timeless Christmas, to be honest. Well, well done. Well, well done. done. Troops and ghosts, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Troops and ghosts. Um, so thanks, everybody, for going on this crazy pants journey with us, uh, which, you know, we would never take without you. So yes. we love that you're here with us. Thank you. Uh, 
make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for our live tweets and all of that. One kiss means forever, where the one and the four are in the numerals. But if you would like to drop us a line, you can do so at onekissmeansforever at gmail.com. And that's all spelled out like it is on our logo. And as always, thank you to Flint Pastors for our intro-outro music. His stuff is on Apple Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Um, And we will see you in another couple weeks as we kind of round out fall before heading into the craziness of Christmas. Christmas! Talk to you soon. Bye! Bye! Bye.